Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Israel Soto. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. Living life to the fullest. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, 5. The guys don't have this verse. If they want to find it, they can. But it's 2 Corinthians 13, 5 says to us, Paul speaking, that we ought to examine ourselves. That we ought to look at our lives. He doesn't mention how often, but I believe it's good practice for us to look at our lives on a daily basis. For things are always changing. Amen. Some people say, you know, we live day by day. And I, I, I understand the, the thought behind it, but I, I do disagree. Uh, well, you know, month by month, year by year, another year, and we live the, and we kind of segment our lives into certain portions that we like to think we live in pattern with. But I believe that our lives are lived moment by moment. Have you ever said something like, I don't know, we were doing fine, but from one moment to the other, something happened. I was feeling really good in my body, but all of a sudden, from one moment to the other, I had a pain. Well, I, they were fine. We were just talking on the phone, and all of a sudden, we hung up, and they say that from that moment on, something happened, moment by moment. And so if I make reference to Paul's word in 2 Corinthians 13 and 5, when he asks us and commands us to examine ourselves because we live our lives moment from moment, I believe that our examination should always be continual. We should always look at our lives. How am I doing today? Wake up in the morning and look at yourself and set your day in the presence of the Lord. And as you move about, when something, some event happens in your life, to examine yourself. And the purpose behind that is one, not to see what kind of business uh, uh, agreement you're going to walk into, not to simply look at the, what kind of uh, 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 situation you, or how you're going to handle a certain situation. But the purpose behind Paul's asking that of us is to see if our walk is again, in, is, is consistent with what our walk in the Lord should be. Examine yourselves, he says. Take a moment to look and to test the things in your life, your actions, to see they're consistent with those of a follower of Christ. You see, we are Christian people. No? Well, maybe I should go back and talk to you about the cross and why Jesus died so all of us can get saved. I said we are Christian people. Do I have any believers in this house? Then you should be the noisiest. You should be the loudest. You should, see the, the, you should be the most visible because you want people to know always that you celebrate the fact that you are born again, forgiven, and on your way to heaven. And so, on a daily basis, we are asked and told of the apostle here, God's word, see if the things that you do on a daily basis, how you're living your life is consistent with those of a follower of Christ. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 40, 29, uh, uh, 20, uh, what is it, the 39 and 40, says that we should examine ourselves again and test them and return to the Lord. Test yourselves. And if you find a flaw, return to God. It's almost classical for 
a normal human being, if you will, because of our flesh, that when we make a mistake, we run from God. This is why people leave the church all the time. It's not because the music was bad. Not because of this was bad or whatever it is. It may have been and, ha and has been at times because they made a mistake of some sort. And the embarrassment of whatever situation, because it's been experienced before, that sometimes the church can be the most judgmental. I said sometimes the church can be the most judgmental. Isn't it a shame and an embarrassment to us that someone who makes a mistake would sooner run to a sinner because they understand than to run to church because they'll be judged? It's true, isn't it? Well, where are you, brother? No, Pastor, I, uh, I, uh, kind of messed up a bit and I was embarrassed and, and I shared this with brother and sister and by the time I knew it it was national news on Fox <laughs> and yet over and over in scripture we're told encouraging each other learn to bear each other's burdens learn to love each other learn to be patient with each other restore each other and yet When someone makes a mistake, they run. And what Paul is speaking about here when it comes to examination, he said, whenever you find yourself in a situation where you messed up, and all of us do, can I have a perfect individual raise your hand today? Just one perfect guy. Anyone. For $1,000. For $10,000, a perfect individual. I put my hand down. Because they're done. There's none. It's a constant wrestle in our lives. This is not a walk in the park when it comes to choosing Christ as your Lord and Savior. Know that you have established and you are now at war with hell. And it's on a daily basis. And this is why Paul says, listen, examine yourselves. Why? Because there's always little hurdles along the way that may get you to go and to bump into something that you shouldn't examine yourselves and when you find that you indeed have maybe messed up with something you rub yourself I'm not talking about premeditated sin Paul speaks about that finding trying to find grace in the things that you do premeditatedly there is no more grace that's intentional and the Bible says that he who knows that which is good and does not do it to him it is sin the Bible says Yes? There is no more sacrifice for that. You willingly dabbed your hands into the situation. So there is no more sacrifice for that. But when things happen, because things happen in this world, this unstable world that we live in, he said, when you find something going on in your life, stop and come to God. Let us return to the Lord. We've been speaking about abundant living. We've been talking about living our life to the fullest. And I believe that that is one of the key things that will get us to a place where you and I can live successful lives in the Lord. Remember, the priority is always to live for God. 
we all desire to have successful business, successful finances, and all. But all of that comes as a repercussion of us serving the Lord. Didn't Jesus say, ask of me? Ask and you will receive. In Jeremiah, he said, cry out to me and I will respond to you. And I'll do anything for you. So you'll find that you can either try to find particular little seeds on your own or go to the source and know that from there you can make a petition and all things desired and things that you've prayed for, things that you need will come. Why? Because you're talking to the king of glory. We've been talking about living our life to the fullest. And the fact of the matter is that sometimes we don't live our life to the fullest. It's almost classical sometimes when we speak to Christians. It's always a ooh, me, and agony and despair. But yet the Bible says that for us, our life should be from glory to glory. So something is wrong in the formula. This is why examination is so important for us. We've been talking about life to the fullest. And we've been speaking out of 1 Peter, or 2 Peter rather. We've been looking at a list of things that Paul gives us that we should emulate, we should embrace and bring into practice. This is all about examination. This whole message and conversation with us we've been having for the past two or three weeks is all about self-examination. Right now, I believe the Lord challenges us to look at our worship. And I can, I think, I think I'm going over the ledge too much, and I'm not certainly not pointing any fingers, but I dare say that maybe someone still had trouble jumping off into a free worship. You still remain on that plank. You wanted to worship him, love him, love him, open your mouth and praise him. Jump, jump, jump into the presence of the Lord. It happens. Sometimes it's very visible. Then you see someone who's just downright ready. Jump, and they jump. You see the innocence of a child when Jesus says, come to me. He's standing no matter how high the ledge, the father's there. There's such a security, a sense of security in the arms that if he says jump, you jump. And you know he's going to catch you. That's what worship is. That's what worship is. It's God going, jump. Jump. And I'll catch you. Jump. We were challenged to examine our worship. My question for yourself to answer is this. Did you pass the test? Or are you still in the same place before we began to worship? That's up to you to answer. Because God knows. I don't know. But God knows. And you, and you know. And I pray that if you didn't jump off into the arms of Christ in worship, that you begin to learn how. Because I promise there is no better place. There is no higher call than to be at the feet of Christ. But some of us spend our lives sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, like that individual we are told of in illustration that was riding his bicycle down a 
hillside, a very high and steep hillside. Because they like that mountain biking and he's riding and he's a Christian man and he's riding his mountain bike up and all of a sudden his tire hits this rock on the road and he slips and he's too close to the, to the drop and he roll, his, falls off his bike and he rolls down, down the cliff and, and then it's, it's just a free fall. But before he went on that free fall, there was a limb of a tree hanging out. And, and he grabbed it on the way down. And he's hanging now with nothing, no supportive feet. Oh, he looks down and he can see now a small river hundreds of feet on. He, it, was a, it was sure death. He's hanging there and he begins to scream, help! Help! Surely there had to be some other mountain uh, riders up there that could have stopped to give him a rope and, and bring him out. So he begins to scream, help, help, and no answer. He was losing his grip, and, and now he had broken into a sweat, tired, because he knew that if he let go, it was sure death for him. Help, and all of a sudden, in the midst of his silence, he hears Someone speak to him and says, John, it's the Lord. Let go. Let go. Let go. I'll catch you. Help! John. You know me. Let go. And the next thing he cries is, Is there anybody else out there? And that's the kind of lives we live sometimes. Oh, I love Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Woo! And you find yourself in a predicament where God says, let go. And you cry out like John. Is there anybody else out there? We were asked to examine ourselves in worship to let go. My question is, did you let go? Well, Paul says examine yourselves. And we've been looking at a couple of things that we should examine in our lives to see if we are doing and. I'm going to move a little bit quicker now because at least I want to give you one more. I spoke to you first of virtue. Virtue means moral uprightness. If there's ever a time, ladies and gentlemen, where every one of us as believers, because of the influence of sin and because of the influence of every devil that's out there today doing everything else to influence our young people, to influence our children, and yes, to influence us as adults. It's today. The world, the enemy is doing everything to influence us to have a different light concerning God. If there's ever a time that this particular commandment of Paul to examine ourselves, it's a time now. Because you can easily be infected by stuff that's out there not being aware that it can get you. I've had good Christian people and friends 
that I've had in the past who in my mind, because of such revering and, and respect I had, I said, these guys are certainly encapsulated by the presence of God, that there is no devil in hell that could ever penetrate the shield by which God has them covered, that today don't serve the Lord. They have walked away from the church. They've walked away from God. I've known preachers. They're phenomenal. I could not hold a candle to them. They're so eloquent in their speech. Their charisma is beautiful. They draw a good crowd. All of a sudden, I, I, I look at them and I say, wow, Lord, give me something of them. I wish I was that good, I, I, that fluid in his conversation. Father, help me. Give me something. That kind of individual that you think is on the island of holiness by himself, there's no devil that could find him. Even them, I've seen the foxes of hell gnaw at the ankles of their walk with God. And today are failing. Virtue is something the Bible commands us to embrace. That is, we need to embrace and examine ourselves on a daily basis if we are living in true morality. Everything in this world that we live today, young people... Is all involving morality. Gentlemen, dads and moms, college and career, children, everything today is affecting and attacking the morals of us who want to live holy lives. And because you know that any time in the middle of the night someone could spoon some things into that life that you're trying to live, this is why we have the commandment to examine ourselves. To see if we are living a life of holiness. Moral purity in every aspect of our lives. Know that physically, know that mentally and certainly spiritually. We are doing everything we can on a daily basis to be holy. Because it is required of us to be holy. We are asked often from this pulpit how many want to see God. I said, how many, one of us, how many of us want to see God in this place? How many of us want to experience the Lord? Amen. Hallelujah. It's going to take virtue. Because the Bible says that without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Examination. I spoke to you about last week about knowledge. Knowledge. Today we are living in such an educated generation. Universities are filled with books everywhere. Young people are so intelligent. Adults, such intelligence that we live in this world. And it's a good thing. Because we need our laboratories working and creating things that will afford us a better life. Learn how to be energy efficient and whatever it is that you study. Things that we need to know about. But that's not what the scripture is referring to when it speaks about us embracing knowledge. As I said to you last week or the week before. I said today we live in a world where we can split an atom. We can send a man to the moon. We can travel around the world in minutes, and yet we are living in the dark ages concerning our knowledge of God. 
I was reading an article this morning as I was studying and praying for this meeting. And I should have brought it with me. In fact, I told one of my brothers, I said, I, 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 I should have taken this. I need to have found this particular article. When it speaks about the knowledge of men and how we have done everything to expound and to grow our mindset concerning things. But it makes reverence as to how ignorant the church is today of the living God that we serve. And I would have read it to you without even any hesitation telling you that even in that article, it describes that one of the greatest reasons, I say one of the greatest, not the only reason, but one of the greatest reasons why there is such ignorance in the church of the knowledge of God is because of this. The pulpit. That's right, I said it. Because of the pulpit. We've got so many clowns on the pulpit across this world. Forgive me for being a little passionate. But we have so many clowns, entertainers, manipulators, and liars from this pulpit. That even though the Bible tells us in the book of Psalms, chapter 119, it said it makes the simple understand. This Bible that so many people have grown accustomed to saying, well, I really don't understand it, Pastor. I read it, but I get nothing, just white pages and black letters. But yet the Bible says that it makes the simple understand. His laws, the unfolding, the Bible says in the book of Psalms, the unfolding of your word makes the simple understand. The thing is the pulpit, the pulpiteers, the teachers have brought so much personal flavor to it. I need to be exciting. I need to give you so many illustrations. I need smoke and bombs, and I need to get off on some kind of harness and fly over you like Superman trying to manipulate you into something and give you my own twist of things. No one should care about the twist of my things. I don't care about the twist in your idea. That's how we're in this mess. Everybody is talking, well, pastor, we need to go to a church where the pastor thinks out of the box. That's the problem. We need to come back to the box. You're so far out of the box. You don't even know where you're going. Come back to the box. Oh, we're so creative. We're so this and that. Wonderful. That's great. But yet the church sits ignorant of the truth. And by majority, it's because what we're teaching from this pulpit is not the word of God. It's simply my philosophy, my idea, or how I want to manipulate you to play my game. And the second is your responsibility. Because you'd sooner go to the church that offers your kid Nintendos and cookies and crackers and coffee in the morning than to sit in a doctrinally sound church. That's your fault. There are pews that are being filled today by thousands of people sitting in front of a, of, of a pulpit simply because there you're allowed to bring your water in and eat some pies. And after that, the pastor will go out to a bar and grill with you. That's your fault. You're sitting in a church where the pastor's more perverted than many in the church yet. You're there because, you know, the kids, they have a, a really nice full school size play yard. And they need to be entertained. 
It's just boring for them. And you're doctrinally ignorant. But I love the game because you see it's giving me what I need. I heard this really funny. What do you call those things on Instagram? Me memes? Oh, mams, memes? Me Mija, I don't know. What, what? A meme? A meme? Yes. Is a meme what you see sometimes people putting? Okay. Una cosa de esas. And it's, it's, it doesn't say anything, but it, 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 uh, it's like a voice thing, right? They sometimes just talk. And this is what it says. I'll say it in Spanish. Hermano, dice el pastor que mande los diezmos porque tiene que pagar el Land Rover que Cristo le dio. Brother, the pastor wants you to send in the tithes because he needs to pay the Land Rover Jesus gave him. And it happens from here. It happens from here. And you sit there. Shame on you. And hundreds and thousands of people sit there. And they're dazzled because you see nobody has a light show like that. Or the guy looks like a Hollywood idol, man. He looks GQ. He's awesome looking. He's not overweight like Pastor Soto. <laughs> and yet what's coming out of the mouth is rubbish. That's his responsibility he will pay for. But your responsibility because you sit there. And so Paul is saying you need to embrace knowledge. You need to get into God's word and gain knowledge for yourself. Find that place where it's not about you feeling comfort. It's about you getting truth. It's not about you finding a venue where you have all the bells and whistles, as they say, but they have every ounce of the full gospel. A church where the Holy Spirit is allowed to move. Where God does what he pleases. Where the priority is not what's in your pocket, but what's in your heart. Are you with me? I feel like I'm offending people. You're going to have to grow up. You're going to have to grow up. You see, because we're looking to inherit a real kingdom. And what you need is real direction. You need real direction to get there. And the only directive, the only map that we have, it's the word of God. That's it. Not the philosophies of men. You see, men have tried in the past in Scripture. And they continue trying even today to establish their own way to glory. Can I take you to one of the very first times where a man would decide to establish his own way to glory? I know that 80% of you probably have never read it. You may have heard it. Some of you may know exactly what I'm talking about. The Tower of Babel. 
Anybody ever heard about the Tower of Babel? If you read about the Tower of Babel in the book of Genesis, you'll find that that was the purpose. The purpose of Nimrod, I believe his name was. Is that right? Nimrod, I believe he was. As it is today in this world, is to establish a highway to heaven. And this man was so charismatic. He was the newest pastor in town. He said, I'm going to establish, I'm going to get the best sound, I'm going to get the best guys that play, I'm going to get the best venue, and I'm going to do awesome. And what we're going to do is that we're going to establish a way to get to heaven without God. And we may even taint it a little bit and call it a little bit of religious things. And what we're going to do, which was, I think, the most ignorant idea, he says, we're going to take our material wealth and lay bricks and we're going to build a tower all the way to the third heaven. We're going to build a place. And we're going to climb up there. And you know where we're going to end up? We're going to end up in God's living room. And then we will all get together and we'll go overpower him and take over the throne. And I can only imagine the heart of such a great God that we have when he's looking at this. He's probably, I don't think that he's ever laughed any harder about humanity than then. But as this begins, it's kind of like a, a, what's that cartoon, the Beanstalk? What's his first name? Jack and the Beanstalk. Remember Jack and the Beanstalk? He put that thing and he went all the way to heaven. Well, that's what the story of Nimrod and the Tower of Babel is. Only to have God, I don't know how close they may have gotten. They may have seen his furniture. I have no idea. They may have seen his mailbox. They may have seen them. The golden street where his house is, I have no idea how much he saw. But I do know that at that moment in his grace, he toppled their little house. And you can imagine the tumbling of people all the way down to the ground. And they failed. You know why they did that? Because they were ignorant of the truth. People today, you'll see it in Hollywood, you see it on television, you see with the elites in this country, they'll say, Jesus is not the only way. We can build a tower. And the sadder part, that there are millions of people saying, let's build it. And there are churches on the face of this earth where pastors are teaching the people to build a tower. And the sad part about it is their pews are filled with people who are saying, let's do it. They're ignorant of God's word because any time that that happens, you think God's going to permit that. It's impossible. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one, no tower, no rich guy, no celebrity, no popular pastor, no great community of people in the church can ever, ever in any way establish a way to heaven without me. This is why it's important for us at Rock of Ages to keep Jesus at the forefront. This is why it's important to examine ourselves, to see if we have the knowledge of God in our lives. It's already late. I wish I had a couple of hours to give you more. But if Jesus, Terry, will continue doing this. But I want you to take that home. 
We've simply recapped what we've talked before. And there's so much more that we can draw from this. And it's all about self-examination. It's all about us wanting to live that exuberant life in the Lord. To know that we are sure that when Jesus comes and the trumpet sound of God sounds, we will respond with joy to receive heaven. That's the purpose of this pulpit here in this church. And I pray that as you sit here, that's the purpose of you being here. That's the purpose of your heart, you bringing your family here. Because here, you're trusting and believing as you coincide and parallel what's being said from the pulpit with the scripture. And you know, Pastor Soto is talking about scripture. And I'm not patting myself in the back. Neither I'm trying to gain points with you and see how much better I am than anybody else. No, 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 no. I don't deserve that kind of honor. I am fearful in the presence of the Lord that somehow we may deviate from his truth. And for that, all of us will pay. Will your children, me, my family, and everyone will pay if we deviate from that truth. So I'm very careful. You want to know how, how popular the gospel is today? The truth. Look around you. Look around you. I'm, I'm never broken hearted. Sometimes we... I've read books, or not read books, but I've seen books say, if the chair next to you could speak, it'd be crying out for a soul. And there's a lot of things that come and bring conviction because next to you there's four or five seats that are empty. They should be filled. But let me tell you, they will be filled, but only with those who hunger after righteousness. The next person that will come to sit with you tomorrow will be just as hungry for God as you are. That is my prayer. That is my utmost desire. Would you stand with me this morning? Let us examine ourselves. Let us embrace virtue. Let us embrace knowledge. Look at your life today. As you close your eyes, I want you to do some introspecting and look inside yourself, not at your wife, your children, your family, your friend, not at the pastor, not at anything else but yourself. Just like the Lord closed up Paul's eyes on his way to Damascus, he did it with reason. He wanted to Paul get a, to get a glimpse. And get a glimpse of what? Others? No. To look inside and look at his heart, how rotten it was. That's when he found repentance because he understood how far off he was from the truth, thinking all this time that he was right. So I want us to, for a moment, if we can, before we dismiss and pray, I want you to look at your life. And in the files of your heart, if you can, church, please try to find virtue. Look for virtue in the wells of your heart this morning. Look for holiness. Look for integrity and commitment to being holy as the Lord requires us. Where is it? Can you find it? Or is it in some cellar in your heart somewhere dusty, thrown away? You haven't seen that 
part of your life forever. Look deep inside. Introspect. I know it's, it's never a popular thing to ask a person to look at themselves. But God requires this of us if we indeed, the Bible says, unless you fail the test. But look for holiness and ask yourself, do I see holiness in my life? And agreeable to Christ holiness. Don't hide behind the facade. Well, I'm a nice guy. I've never robbed from any. I've never hit my wife. I've never, I've never cursed. I've never done this. I've never taken something that's not mine. I'm not talking about that. That included, of course. But I'm talking about a pleasing holiness unto the Lord. Can you see it anywhere? Because it's in there. It might be a little neglected, but it's in there. Remember the Lord, the scripture tells us he gave us everything for godly living. And therefore he gave you holiness. When he saved you, he gave you a complete package, a survival kit that includes holiness. So you look deep inside that box he gave you and look at all the tools you may have used a lot of the blessing sides, the blessing parts of that box that he had given you in salvation. You may have looked at the help factor. You may have looked at the petition, ask of me factor. Everything, every tool he's given you. You may be really using those up. But there's something else in that package of salvation that's called holiness. And he called you to use it as well. It's in there. Pastor, there is no holiness in me. Oh, yes, there is. Don't let the devil lie to you. There's holiness in you. You just may not be using it. Pull it out. Dust it off. And put it into practice. Keep looking in that box this morning just for a moment and see if you can find knowledge. Oh, you have a lot of hearsay in there. You've heard a lot of her. I heard this or I was told this or the other. But no, no, no. There's something that God gave you specifically and it's called knowledge. Something that you should be using on a daily basis, moment by moment. You see, you need knowledge to raise your children. You need knowledge to raise and to, and to establish your marriage. You need knowledge to, to, to go through ministry. You need knowledge to work uh, peacefully with people. You need knowledge. You need knowledge. You need knowledge. But you need knowledge in order for you to go to heaven. It's in there. Oh, pastor, you know, I'm just not very smart. When it, you know, no, no. God has given you knowledge. You are more intelligent than you think you are. God is not looking at an ignorant people. God is not looking at a people that are just out so mind dead that they don't understand anything and they're just completely ignorant of all things. No, no, that's not what he's looking at. He's looking at a people who simply have not picked up the tool of knowledge. I gave it to you. He gave us all things. Why have you not used it? Why are you persuaded by people that manipulate you? Why are you persuaded by something you simply hear on the internet? Why are you persuaded and manipulated by those who you call higher than you? When there is no one higher than God. 
And God says to us today, I've given you knowledge. Bring it out. Apply it. And you'll see that abundant living is at your fingertips. You'll see that prosperity and blessing, good health and happy living and hope for tomorrow is right there if you'll just embrace knowledge. Learn the truth. Stay in the truth. Seek the truth. Listen only to the truth. But how do I know, Pastor? By opening the Word of God. Well, I've heard many say it doesn't matter. I heard a pastor put it this way, it doesn't matter. Well, he was very creative in articulating this particular point this way for me, it doesn't matter. Is that what the Word says? Because that is where you find knowledge. It's in the book of Proverbs that the Lord says to us, if any man lacks knowledge, let him ask of the Lord. So do you find yourself fumbling around in life not knowing what to do? How do I get a grip on abundant living? I'm giving you the answer. I'm reminding you of what you already possess. God has given you knowledge. But I'm not smart enough. I just read it to you out of Psalm 119. He makes the simple understand. And again, he said in his word, out of the mouth of babes, I will perfect praise. Babies will praise the Lord like the Lord wants to be praised. Ladies and gentlemen, we want to be blessed. We want to live life to the fullest. We want our families to be happy. We want our children to be saved. This is the beginning. This is the stairway to get there. Virtue and knowledge. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Join us next time for another uplifting message. If you'd like to support this ministry and the reaching out of others, you have the opportunity to give at rockofagesaog.org give.